another week, another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. Welcome back. It is the end of the month. And what a month it was. I guess I need a vacation to recover from my vacation. It wasn't really a vacation. It was work. But still. <laughs> oh. This episode is brought to you thanks to my Patreon community. And if you are part of my Patreon community, you get a little bit of extra information every week. You get to see a bit behind the scenes of what's going on. We can have discussions about things I often share, things that I don't share on the podcast. So if you want to join the patrons and get access to all these extra podcasts and all this extra material, access to the Discord server, please go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. And if you can spare only $2.50 per, per month, per month, not per week, $2.50 per week, per month. Messing it up now. That's What is that? 60 cents per, per week. Then you can become part of an amazing family of friends and, uh, and a very supportive family as well. And you get to work with me on all these shows that I make and all these adventures that I have. Why wouldn't you be part of that community? They are awesome, and I'd really love to see you as part of that. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. One of the advantages of traveling is that I've got new stories to tell, and I, I'm writing them down. That's the big difference. Normally, I would share them only here on the podcast or on social media. Now I'm thinking, I can, I might as well just write a book. They, these are all geek-related travels. There's so much that I want to share with you. And writing down the stories also makes it easier to kind of go to the essence of the story uh, and, and, and make sure that, that every word counts. It's, this is what I like about TikTok. I'm making three, four-minute videos. And so that forces me to be super concise. And that's, a, that's something that I also try to do as much as possible in, in, in this book, writing concise chapters where everything, this is like I'm applying the rule of the, uh, uh, fa- not family guy, but um, the, ah, what's the word? That, and I, I talked about that recently. Uh, storytelling. I'm crazy. This was on, on Father Roderick to the Max. South Park. So it's a rule of storytelling that is used by the writers of South Park. Instead of saying, and then, you have to always say either but, but then this happened, and then therefore, dot, dot, dot. So every a good story uh, only contains elements that follow one another because there's a, there's a reason for it. Um, that also is, applies to writing a book. Um, when I first wrote my book, I did it intuitively, not applying all these rules. Now I'm trying to write a book and get better at writing because I, this is not the only book that I want to write. In case you want to hear more about that book or you want to read along, give me feedback. I'm sharing the first draft of these chapters for free in my email newsletter. So if you sign up for that email newsletter, I will send you, as soon as I've got a chapter ready, I will send it out to all these people that are subscribed to the email newsletter and I will invite you to give me some feedback. Or maybe even correct me if this is a perfect way of proofreading. Um, just just tell me what could be better. What do you want me to expand upon? What is unclear? Um, so you'll get this free preview of the book that I'm writing. And you'll be 
joining me in that effort to make this a, a bestseller. Let's go for that. Let's just go for a bestseller. Why not? <laughs> I do not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. In this third and final Star Wars week, I want to share with you my thoughts on the sequel trilogy of Star Wars movies. I couldn't be happier when I heard that after Disney bought the rights to the Star Wars franchise and George Lucas would no longer be involved, the immediate uh, announcement came that there would be a new Star Wars trilogy and J.J. Abrams would be at the helm. I'm just going to give you my thoughts and how I feel about that. You may feel very different about these sequels, but that's your prerogative. I just want to share my thoughts. I was elated. I was and still am a huge fan of J.J. Abrams. I think he's a masterful storyteller. Is he the perfect storyteller? No, but I don't know any perfect storytellers. Uh, Definitely... Uh, more skilled at writing movies and movie scripts than George Lucas was. Definitely. More predictable, less original. But oh my gosh, the dialogue in The Force Awakens was a hundred times better than anything in any Star Wars movie so far. I loved how this The Force Awakens harkened back to all the elements of the original trilogy that never bothered me because this is Star Wars. Things are supposed to rhyme. Uh, patterns are supposed to repeat themselves but it also added so many interesting characters i'm a huge fan of ray almost no one loves ray why what do they have against this girl she's an, an amazing actress it's a fantastic story i loved how she too was like in this remote planet that looked like tatooine and then she discovers her vocation this call to action then she learns over time that she has powers that she has incredible talent where does it come from and then ultimately turns out that she is related to the evilest person ever to roam the galaxy that's an amazing story arc and and she she constantly stays honest and in a certain way not spoiled by by the temptations of the dark side kylo is the total opposite they f- form a bond because they are so different kylo is hurt kylo is is very flawed has been hurt has traumas kills his own father uh sorry about the spoiler um does horrible things. And at the same time, he's a total loser. He is not respected by, by any of his tutors. Uh, um, the, the, the dark side just uses him as a tool. And it's only when he starts to, to discover how much he's been used by all these others that it has just been a, a, pro, a prolongation, how do you say that, like continuation of, of all his childhood traumas. That's where he finds the force, and it's Ray who's instrumental in bringing him back to the light side. It's the perfect redemption arc. The ending, the, the third movie was absolutely the weakest because it, it, it felt rushed. But nevertheless, the overall story arc was tremendous. It was so good. There's so much in there. I don't understand why people don't love the sequels. It, it's, it, they are fantastic. It's not hyperbole. 
I I prefer them way over the prequels. I think the prequels are clunky and the the, the absolutely the worst trilogy of of everything. The sequels were amazing. The execution, the actors. There were weird moments. There were there were things that oh like I I hoped I was hoping for something else, but now that we have the movies as they are, I think they are brilliant. Even that very controversial story arc of of of, of Luke, Luke Skywalker, where even Mark Hamill, when he read the script, is like, I, there's nothing in here that, that I like. Everything you do to my character, he said to Ryan Johnson, I'm against it. It's This is not the Luke Skywalker that I want to play, but I'll play it anyway because I'm a professional actor and I trust you. But this is not supposed to, to go like that. And many fans agreed. I'm like, yeah. Fanboys, sorry if I offend you, but but we are not here to see a repeat of the Luke that we've already seen. What is what good does that do to the story? A story thrives when people change, when there is failure. And then and, and I love that they include that in the story where where old Luke is bitter and 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 feels like a total failure and then there is redemption for him as well on the deepest level he he is a, he's able to to make to to repair the damage that he has done he failed kylo and he's he, he doesn't want to train ray and yet he does and ray ends up being his most successful padawan who ends up saving the universe again it's it's an amazing redemption story. And 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 the execution is so good. The special effects, the music, the 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 action, the pacing. These movies are fantastic. I love them. I love them so much. And no matter how many people whine and and yell at me for that and and hate the sequels and want Kathleen Kennedy to be fired and then the whole the whole timeline should be reset and the sequel should be remade with another story whatever it's not going to happen first of all but I I hope it never happens cuz these sequels are fantastic that's my point of view I'm sticking with it I didn't know I could get so fired up about that <laughs> Now that half of you are no longer listening to what I have to say, <laughs> it's time to visit the Peculiar Bunch. Tablets can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? I want to share with you a trick. How you can get something out of even the most boring Bible reading during Mass. You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Catholics read a lot of Bible texts during Mass, and not just the readings. Every, almost every single prayer from the Missal is inspired by the Bible. Uh, sometimes it's exactly the same words. When just right before communion, there's this very strange dialogue between the priest and the people, where it's like, behold the Lamb of God, and people answer... Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Say again? <laughs> but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. What? 
<laughs> that sounds so really weird. It is because it's a quote from the gospel. This is what the, 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 the centurion says, the Roman guy who comes to Jesus and, and he's like, my, one of my servants is ill and he's going to die. Help me. And then Jesus is sure. And then he's like taken aback. I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and, you know, my servant will be healed. So a lot of these liturgical texts are biblical. But the downside of that is because it's so overstuffed with biblical texts, it's that some of these translations and some of these texts are very inscrutable for us and difficult to understand and difficult to focus on. Not always. And of course, what we read during Mass is a selection of the best of, and it's always we, they always make sure that these texts kind of correspond with one another, especially the first reading in the Gospel. But that doesn't take away the fact that, that, that oftentimes you hear a reading and it's like, okay, sure, <laughs> next. But honestly, I have that same problem from time to time. When I have to prepare my homily, uh, I do prepare. I don't write it down, but I do read the readings. Sometimes, some Sundays I have these readings of like, okay, that reading again, because these, these readings... Uh, come back every three years. There is a A, B, and C cycle, and then and then it starts all over again. So I've been a priest for 25 years, which means that I've already heard these readings in this combination eight times. I'm now in my ninth cycle. What else can I say about these readings? I don't remember what I preached in the past because I refuse to dig up my old homilies. They're probably pretty terrible anyway. So... Sometimes I'm just like sitting there and I was like, I have no idea what else I could say about this. And I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want to go the easy way like, like I said three years ago. So here's my trick. When I read those Bible texts, I always look for one phrase that makes me think. One hook, one moment, one, one, one quote and even in the most the most dull boring parts of the bible there's always one phrase that, that you can connect that kind of touches you or or makes you think take that one and think and start there that's the beginning of your meditation that's the beginning of my homily why do i you know why do, why does that phrase jump out to me why do I connect with that one? What is, it can be something totally unrelated to the original intent of the, of the reading, but nevertheless, it works for you. So there's definitely something going on inside you that made you pick this one phrase. So you can do this every time you go to Mass, every time you read the Bible. Go back. What did, have I just read? What is the one phrase I would highlight? And then ask yourself, why did I pick that one? And you will see that you will start this whole meditation, reflection, the thoughts will start to add, will, will, you will, there will be so many things happening in your brain. So this is, this is how I do it. If I, if I read a gospel that I've read a hundred times and it's like, I don't know, I don't know any way to translate this to, to today's events, okay, go back. What is the one phrase that you can connect with? What does it make you think of? Why does it jump out? And then, usually, I have a homily within five seconds. So, yeah, that would be my advice.
It's very simple, but it works. Try it out. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Today I've got a book review for you with a swear word in it. <gasps> the F word. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm listening to a podcast with a priest who is reading a book with the F word. Before I went to the United States, I had never heard of it, the F word. I was like, what is this? What is this secret code that these Americans talk about? <laughs> what is an F word? It's only later on that I was like, oh, that's that's the F word. Okay. <laughs> so the book that I wanted to review here is written by Susan Lack or Lackey, L-A-C-K-E. And the title is long. Uh, it, 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 the, the cover shows two bikers. They are on, on speed bikes outside uh, in nature. And then the title is Life's Too Short to Go So Effing Slow. Subtitle, Lessons from an Epic Friendship that Went the Distance. <laughs> I was intrigued because I started reading this when I was uh, trying to get on my bike more often. And so I was like, oh, this is about biking and, uh, yeah, life's too short. I need to go faster. I need to learn. This is probably a book about going fast and learning how to bike. I need to read this. This is how I got motivated for my marathons is reading books about marathon running. Here's the description. They were unlikely friends. She was a young, overweight college professor with a pack-and-a-half-a-day habit and a bad attitude. He was her boss and an accomplished Ironman triathlete. She was a whiner. He was a hard-ass. He had his shit together. I'm just reading this, right? It's just science. She most assuredly did not. Yet Susan and Carlos shared a deep and abiding friendship that traversed life, sport, illness, death, and everything in between. Amusing and poignant, Life's Too Short to Go So Effing Slow is about running and, is about running and winning a triathlon, triathlon, I should say. It's about growth and heartbreak and an epic friendship that went the distance. Uh, it's a good thing that I did not read this description before I started reading this book because I would pr probably not uh, read the book. Because it just feels like, yeah, I don't know. Mm, mm. Seems to be not, not that interesting. Here's my review on Goodreads. I like this book a, more, a lot more than I expected. I came, uh, it came up in the list of suggestions, and the cover photo of two athletes on a trail bike intrigued me, or two trail bikes. I've been riding my bike a lot recently, and when I read that, the book was about a friendship that motivated the author to train for an Ironman triathlon, I decided to give it a go. An Ironman is one of those impossible goals that is somewhere on my I'd-like-to-do-that-one-day list. However, the book goes beyond a mere description of the couch-to-Ironman journey. The friend who motivated the author, because this is a real story, to change her life and become an athlete, that friend is diagnosed with cancer. And from that moment on, the book explores the life choices you can take when confronted with such a diagnosis. It's a good read. 
I stand by it. I gave it four out of five stars. Uh, it's a short read, relatively short, and and but it's a good story, and I like that it was like the it, it, it first part of the book is like, wow, I I want to emulate that. I also need to go step on my bike. And wow, wouldn't it be cool? I've already done a triathlon. How hard can it be to do a, an Ironman? Maybe I'll find some inspiration there. If she can do it, I can do it. And then this hero of hers, this boss of her, gets cancer. And then, of course, the cancer is aggressive and it changes everything. But the book takes it very seriously. And it, 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 it makes us uh, part of, of their conversations. And if you realize that this, is, this has happened for real, it becomes much more of an interesting read. This is not fiction. Um, and it makes you wonder, well, what, if, what would I do if, I w- if they would discover cancer in me? I mean, that's absolutely not uh, uh, um, impossible. That can happen. It happens a lot. Statistically, I could get heart problems, could get cancer, could get all sorts of problems. What do you do when that happens to you? When I read this book, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm glad I read this book because it shows me the mentality that can, that can help you in, in, in that time, can help others. It shows you the interaction of, of, of you know, if you get ill, it's actually the second part is a reflection of the mentality that, that these two characters uh, need to become athletes. And in a certain way, the illness is also a challenge. It's just as much a challenge as, as an Ironman. And just like running an, or doing an Ironman requires character, the same thing is true about this last journey, cancer, having cancer, dealing with disease. If you see it as a challenge, as something you never thought you would do or go through, if you apply the lessons learned when training for that triathlon, you'll be able to apply that same attitude in times of deep distress and, 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 and bodily decline. That's what I got out of that book, and that's why I really enjoyed it. Scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Hey, what sort of science? I noticed that I haven't got any... I don't have show notes for this. What? Okay, I was super prepared for this podcast, and yet I skipped a beat and I forgot to look at a topic for the science segment. But no worries. There is always Google, right? <laughs> I have my, my uh, Google News uh, lineup. I always follow um, the science part of, of Google News because these stories are just so interesting. So I've got some news about uh, uh, a conjunction of Venus and Jupiter, a lunar eclipse, the sounds of a black hole. Ooh, that's interesting. And NASA wants my input on its Mars sample return project. Okay, they want my input, they'll get it. Let's read what they want me to do. Um, comments are due May the 16th. Oh, that date is already gone so um okay sorry next story (laughs) should have read this earlier um a mars lunar eclipse a wild card meteor shower um, fireball meteor canada looks to prosecute crimes committed on the moon oh that's funny i need to read that (laughs) 
Legal signs. Canadian astronauts, you better watch your behavior. Canada is looking to amend its criminal code to allow the prosecution of its astronauts who commit crimes on the moon as well as on the journey there. The proposal was buried deep in Canada's 2022 federal budget implementation bill presented to the House of Commons uh, a while ago. In essence, any crime committed on the moon or during spaceflight will be dealt with as if it had been committed in Canada. A Canadian crew member who, during a spaceflight, commits an act or, or a mission outside Canada that, if committed in Canada, would constitute an indictable offence, is deemed to have committed that act or a mission in Canada, reads the measure. It goes on to explain that this includes crimes that are committed on the surface of the moon. You know what? This makes sense. Space shouldn't be lawless. People should be held accountable for what they do, even if they do it in outer space. Um, it also means, or implies, that, that Canadian astronauts, if they committed a crime on the International Space Station, there would be no legal repercussions. They could get away with murder. I'm so glad that, that nothing happened there. <laughs> but, but man, seeing if you look at all those movies where, where people do horrible things while in space, you know, this is actually not just, just fictional stuff. You need to think about this. And, and I believe that this is, this is a good thing, and I hope that other countries will also follow Canada's ex, uh, example. And we also, I think, should have international law regarding space. Look at these millionaires. What are they going to do? Are they just lawless? Can they just send anything in space and just leave their space debris floating around? Or should we be able to hold them accountable? Should there be, like, an, there's an international court of justice in, in The Hague? Maybe we should have a, a, maybe the same court or maybe an international uh, instance should be able to, to judge crimes committed in space or hold, hold people accountable even if, the, what they did wasn't really in any of our countries. Good for you, Canada. That's brilliant. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just... And it's a disaster. But there is one more thing. There's one more thing that's on my, on my wish list, and that is a new camera. As you know, I've been uh, filming for a few years now using the Canon M50, which is a very affordable camera. I think I paid about 800 for the first one that I bought. With It came with, uh, with a lens, a kit lens. And then I bought a second one for mostly for streaming purposes, um, and that one was, I think, even cheaper. I always wait for sales, but this is very cheap. 800 bucks may be a lot for you, but for a camera that I've used for, what is it now, three years, four years, to film television productions, and not just a few, like about 40 or 50 television shows, with, with a camera that costs 800 bucks. I don't think there are many people that can say that. Most of the time, a, a professional television camera would cost several thousand euros, and that's the cheap version, and can go all the way to $15,000 or euros, or even more, depending on, on the, the lenses as well. Um, however, there are limitations. 
and that is uh, especially the size of the sensor. I, I became aware of this when I was filming uh, at this fantasy festival, and by accident, I was filming in 4K, and the 4K is cropped, which means that the sensor uh, is not using its full surface, but only part of it. Um, there are reasons for that, but what it means is that if you use a wide-angle lens, all of a sudden it's not no longer a wide-angle lens. The other downside is that the sensor itself of the Canon M50 is already a small sensor. It's not a full-frame sensor. So it means that if I buy a 60-millimeter lens, uh, I, I, I've got a 60-millimeter lens that I bought from Sigma. If I mount it on my M50... It is actually not a 16 millimeter lens. It's more something around 28 to 30 millimeter lens. If I would use exactly that same lens, but with a fitting and mount it on a full frame camera like the Sony um, A7S III, that would have a much wider field of view. The problem was when I was filming in 4K, so I had a crop of a crop, it was so hard to film anything. Because I just couldn't capture the the the, the scope of, I, I felt like I was constantly looking through binoculars, which is so frustrating. If you want to run and gun and you know just follow people, I was constantly losing track of objects and people in my lens. That's when I realized that I it was time to switch to a full frame camera. And it's it's a shame that I bought these lenses for the Canon M50. Thankfully, because the camera itself is pretty cheap the lenses usually also are much cheaper than if i would have bought them for let's say a sony camera but in the long run this is not the camera that i need moreover canon has kind of stopped this whole line of the m50 Uh, there are only a few cameras they don't make any more lenses for this system so i'm thinking that this system is end of life so there is a good reason for me to try to get a new camera and maybe sell the existing ones now that people still want them. Because um, I think that for, for, the, for the, just the, the, the efficiency of what I film and the overall quality, um, I, I need to go 4K and I need to go full frame. The problem is it's expensive. The uh, full frame Sony S7A3, let me see. How much is that nowadays? These prices, of course, change. Seven, a seven, a three S, or what was it? Uh, Sony. Huh. Let me see. Sony. A seven S three pricing. So just the body alone, and that's so. That's no lens is 4,199 euros. Ouch! That is so expensive. If you buy it with a kit lens, a 12-24 millimeter lens, the price is 7,399. These are very, very expensive cameras. So again, I'll probably have to wait for um, a sale. That would be one way. Or wait for Sony to come with a successor to this camera because the moment there is a successor, this Sony A7S III will go down in price. It will still be way more expensive. And I don't regret having ever bought the Canon M50 because for the price of one Sony camera, 
that one amount of just the body of the camera paid for all my equipment, including microphones, including wireless microphones and everything. So, you know, low-budget filming has definitely paid off but and saved me a ton of money. But I, I feel that I'm, I'm ready for the next step. This is just not, in the future, not sustainable to keep filming this because the world continues. And a, um, 4K is now the norm for anything on Netflix. Everybody, even on YouTube, the, the most of the, the big YouTubers are, are filming in 4K and publishing in 4K. Um, whereas for TV, I've always stuck with uh, 1080p. But almost no one just has a simple 1080p television all televisions now are 4k so um i don't want to fall behind too much but this is one of the reasons that i'm glad that i have patrons um and i hope to get more patrons soon because this this is all just we don't have the budget for that we're a tiny organization um and we are currently not able to just pay the regular bills we thankfully have saved money in the past that's how we can still pay inga's fees and my fees but over time, something needs to happen. I need to grow this community of supporters um, in order to, to grow. That's a good challenge, and I'm, I'm sure that we will get there. But just so you know, when I, when I ask people, can you please join the Patreon community, it's not just because, uh, um, because that's what I'm supposed to do. No, I really need the help. Otherwise... If this camera breaks, I, thankfully, that's why I have two cameras. If one gives up, I have a spare camera. But th- th- I need to kind of gear up. Um, so I already had to buy a new computer. Uh, that those are That's all expensive. Um, and I don't have the number of patrons yet to make ends meet. So if you are able to, please, 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 please join the community of patrons. Because... Uh, I want to continue this work, and but I can't do it without you. That's it for this episode of my show. Thank you so much for listening, and hope to see you back soon. If you're a patron already, then of course there is another episode of Father Roderick to the Max coming in your feet very soon now. I'll be talking about the mental health benefits of walking, um, a, creating a garden with herbs in my backyard. I want to talk about a technique, a storytelling technique that I use in my homilies, but it can also apply to any form of storytelling. It's an amazing technique and it works wonders. I want to talk about the science fiction western outer range on Prime. I'll give my review of that series and I will explain why I haven't played the Lego Star Wars game yet. All that and more coming up in this week's episode of Father Roderick to the Max, available for free to all my patrons. If you want to join the patron community, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. I could really use your help. And it's a fun community. There's something in it for you. Tons of extra podcasts and lots of stuff. It's a good deal. Go do it. Become a patron. (laughs) Wow. That was a bad sales pitch. But anyway, thanks for listening. See you later. 